three. You're listening to Sports Talk Chicago with your host, John Zaglul. John, I am fantastic. Thank you for having me. You got an awesome voice, man, and that was a terrific <laughs> intro. You're like a pro's pro. You know, that was the first time somebody ever said that, John. No, you're the first person to ever say anything like that. That's, that's very interesting. You got it, John. Anything for a fellow Chicago guy? <laughs> well, what a great question. That's a great question. Nobody's actually asked me that. <laughs> I like it. What a great question. I never heard that before. Chase, wait, wait, Chase Sully is what? You're saying he's not a Hall of Fame candidate? You know, it's it's funny. I, I, You may be the only person that I've heard make that connection. Thank you, John, for having me. I'm doing great. By the way, you have an outstanding voice. I'm not sure about your face because I haven't met you, but your voice is great. You're doing a much better job than I ever did. You've had some heavy hitters uh, guests on too, man, so keep up the good work, but it's good to be with you, and I'm ready to talk sports. Hello, everybody, and welcome into Sports Talk Chicago. My name's John Zaglou. Great to have you here. On today's edition of the program, Debo Samuel wants out of San Francisco. Should the Bears trade for him? We'll talk about it in just a second. Plus, a brand new interview today with Teddy Greenstein, a senior editor of PointsBet and the author of Quarterback Dad, Wild Tales from the Field. We'll talk with him, of course, about his new book, PointsBet, Bears Football, and so much more. It's a great interview, and it comes your way near the midway point of this show. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports and on Facebook at John Zaglou. You to watch more of this show, search up Sports Talk Chicago, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, sportstalkchicago.com. I want to start today with this. It's almost a pattern at this point. Every week in the NFL, there's a new wide receiver on the market or is unhappy with his situation. And the Bears are always tied or should be tied or will they be tied to that sad player. I'm sure for many of you, it's kind of redundant. Oh, who is it now? Right? DK Metcalf or Brandon Cooks, Christian Kirk, Debo Samuel. I know it probably gets tiring, but there's a reason why these headlines keep coming up. The Bears have no wide receivers. (laughs) That's why. So even though you might be sick of it, the fact is, until the Bears actually do something about that position, until they say, actually, we're going to help out Justin Fields and give him some sort of weaponry offensively, this will keep coming up. We will keep talking about this. Sorry. The Bears could make a move in the draft, in which we'll talk about that too, and maybe this wide receiver nonsense could be put to bed, but for right now, the Bears do not have enough wide receiving weapons for Justin Fields. So when a big-name wide receiver is unhappy with his situation, if he's requesting a trade, if he wants out, the Bears in every situation, even if they don't have the money nor the draft capital nor their salary cap space to do something, they should at least listen and be in on talks. Debo Samuel wants out of San Francisco, and according to official reports, the Bears are not one of the suitors. Packers could be, though, unfortunate. Apparently, the 49ers wanted to pay Samuel. He still wants out. Some reports indicate that he's not happy with his position on the team. Jimmy Garoppolo has also not shown up to voluntary minicamp, and there's another issue. So when you don't know who your quarterback's going to be, and you're not happy with your role on the team, yeah, I can understand why you'd want out. 
Samuel's also on the final year of a rookie contract, meaning any team who traded for him would probably have to sign him to a mega extension. Here's the one very scary thing about Debo Samuel. On an Instagram post from his brother, Samuel is seeking no less than $25 million per year. $25 million. Christian Kirk got 20. Now, way different wide receivers, but the fact is Christian Kirk's one of the highest paid NFL wide receivers. He's making 20 a year. I'm sorry. I don't know about $25 million a year to Debo Samuel. Now, maybe that's just a report. Maybe he'll downgrade that number a bit. I know he's young. I know he's coming off a career year, a year in which he finally really broke out. 26 years old, 18.2 yards per reception, 1,400 receiving yards, 365 rushing yards as well. He's an all-around threat. But remember, he does not want to rush as much anymore. That's part of the reason why he wants out of San Francisco. So at the end of the day, you're paying for a wide receiver. Are you willing to pay $25 million? Are you willing to give up draft capital and players and then pay him that much money on top of it. Now, the positive thing is, his contract would not be in effect till next year, so technically the Bears could afford it. They'll have the cap space. They need help for Justin Fields. We all know this. Bringing in Debo Samuel just on a pure talent perspective would be outstanding for Justin Fields. Samuel Mooney, potential rookie at number 39 in the draft. Oh my goodness, thank you. But... Logistically, money-wise, should the Bears be doling out this big of a contract? I'd say go for it. I wouldn't really be opposed to this. He's 26. He probably has at least two or three great years left and then a bunch of good years. This is his first big breakout season coming off of. Dual threat. I mean, this is something that I'd like to see the Bears do. It would be great, and he would certainly help out the offense. You lose to Reed Cohen, you already lost him. You need somebody to fill up that kind of role. And the best part is Samuel is a superstar wide receiver already, and he could run a little bit. Tariq Cohen was never a superstar in anything. <laughs> Debo Samuel is. The best deep threat statistically in the NFL. Best one, 18.5 yards per carry. 18.5 yards per catch. Can't argue with that. I'd love it if the Bears made this move. But let's take a look at Ryan Poles and his agenda. We know what it is. Small contracts, one to two years. Veterans, just to fill up spots on the field. Low money. Saving salary cap room. I'm not saying that in the future Ryan Poles wouldn't spend money, but right now, based on all the moves that we've seen so far, this would not align with those. That's the scary part. So for Bears fans wondering or hoping that this trade could be done, I'd just say be pessimistic a little bit. Cautious. I'd love to see this happen. It'd be great for Justin Fields, great for the fan base, great for the Bears' offense. I'm sure he'd click very well with Luke Getze. From a talent perspective, this would be amazing. But... Can the Bears afford it? And even more than that, do they want to afford it? That's the real question. Do the Bears want to afford Debo Samuel? Based on their current situation, based on the moves they've already made, I think the answer is no. I think he'd really help out, though. 
especially for Justin Fields. Talked about this a number of times on the program. Every quarterback needs a bailout wide receiver. This was brought up, I think, by Allen Robinson, if I'm not mistaken. He talked about this a year ago or two, talking about how he was the bailout for Mitch Trubisky. Allen Robinson was the bailout for Mitch Trubisky. Who's Justin Fields have right now besides Darnell Mooney? He could certainly use somebody else, a bailout running back slash wide receiver combo. Jay Cutler and Matt Forte, similar situation. Justin Fields needs a bailout option. Debo Samuel would be by far the best option. Because Debo Samuel's not just a bailout wide receiver. He's a bailout everything. Whenever you're in trouble, give him the football and he will take over. Whether it's running or catching. He would be the best option offensively to help out Justin Fields. This would show if the Bears could make this move. Hey, we have confidence in you. Here's a great weapon to help you out. Talent-wise, it'd be perfect. But logistically, I don't see it happening. I just don't. The Bears are not in this position right now to be spending tons of money. Even if the camp hit hit next year. We've seen with Ryan Poles' moves, something like this really wouldn't be in the cards. I wish things could be different, and this would be a great opportunity for the Bears to make a big splash for Justin Fields. I just don't see it happening right now. Here's Bleacher Nation commenting on the situation. To cough up significant draft capital for the right to eat a significant amount of cap space doesn't seem to align with the Bears' plans right now. And for a Bears team that doesn't have a first-round pick in the upcoming NFL draft, the cost of doing business might be too rich for Ryan Poles. That's the other thing, too. And this is why the Bears are handcuffed when it comes to Debo Samuel. What could the Bears offer realistically? What could they offer to get him? Would have to be future first-round picks. The Bears have no first-round pick right now. They're not willing to spend tons of money, potentially $25 million per year in a wide receiver, no matter how good he is. They're not there yet as a team. So although it'd be nice to give Justin Fields some sort of weaponry, they just simply can't afford it right now. Or they're choosing not to afford it, based on Ryan Poles' current list of signings. Not a big critic of that. I understand the process and the reasoning why. But still, for Justin Fields' sake... It's unfortunate. Him and Debo Samuel, I think, would work great together. Debo Samuel's the best deep threat in the NFL. Right now, statistically. Could run the football. Does everything you need offensively. This is something you'd love to have for Justin Fields. It'd be amazing. I just don't see it happening. Probably not. The fans want it. Everybody wants it, but the fact is the business side of it does not align. Look at all the moves the Bears have made this offseason. Low money, low year commitment. Debo Samuel needs an extension. Last year, the rookie deal. Debo Samuel needs lots of money, lots of years. Oh yeah, and on top of it, you have to trade some sort of draft capital. That's tough. $25 million per year, too? Don't know if that's realistic at all. Now, some team will pay it. Some team will do this. A team that's even more wide receiver needy than the Bears, potentially the Jets, or maybe even the Packers. 
To replace Devontae Adams, possible. Just doesn't look likely for the Bears. Hope I'm wrong. For the sake of Justin Fields, I hope I'm wrong. <laughs> be amazing to see this actually work out for the Bears and for Fields mostly. This would be a Fields weapon. Now we could talk about real weaponry for the Bears. Just have to see what happens. But as I said, to open up this program, if you're sick of hearing about the Bears' wide receiver problems, then guess what? They better do something about them. <laughs> Why is it that every week we're talking about the Bears being tied to a different wide receiver? Because they have nobody right now for Justin Fields besides Darnell Mooney, and that's a fact. Debo Samuel would be a great fit here in Chicago. He'd be the safety net that Justin Fields needs offensively. He'd be the number one weapon. But guess what? It's not financially feasible. It's not feasible to pay Debo Samuel 20 to $25 million per year, sign him for four or five years, give up draft capital that you don't have. For what? And that's the part that might be hard for Bears fans to stomach, but it's the truth. I would love Debo Samuel. I think it'd be a great fit here in Chicago. But the fact is, it's probably not going to happen. Think about it from the 49ers' perspective. Do they want oh, a couple of future first-round picks? Nobody for this year in this draft right now that comes up in a week. And potentially an NFL player or two. Not really. I'm looking for the highest bidder. I want somebody to give me one or two first-round picks for Samuel. 26 years old, at the peak of his career. I'm not going to say, oh, you know what, I'll take a first-round pick in two years. <laughs> or a year. I want somebody now for this draft and draft his replacement and save money. You guys could deal with the new contract. That'd be the smart move if I were San Francisco. So it probably isn't feasible, but it's nice to dream. A guy could dream, right? It would certainly help out Justin Fields. And if anything in the future, at least, if we're talking about the Bears this time next year, looking for help for Justin Fields, somebody like Debo Samuel, which is rare to say the least, but somebody like him would be so helpful. Somebody who's the best deep threat in football. 1,400 receiving yards, 365 rushing yards. That's what the Bears need. That's a safety net for Justin Fields. Mitch Trubisky. Had Allen Robinson, Jay Cutler, had Matt Forte. Justin Fields needs somebody to help him, too. More to come here on Sports Talk Chicago. My interview with Teddy Greenstein comes up next, so stay tuned. Sports Talk Chicago. Here with John Zaglul, and we are back and ready for today's special guest. He's the author of Quarterback Dads and a senior editor of PointsBet USA. Please welcome Teddy Greenstein to the program. Teddy, it's great to have you on. How are you? I mean, is this number four for me? Maybe number five? <laughs> I'm trying to be like in your all-time top ten, John. It's actually number eight. So you are in the top ten at this point. Number one, baby. I don't only come on when I want to promote a book. I want to come on whenever you'll have me to talk Chicago sports or sports betting or whatever. But this is kind of a special occasion. What's a quarterback dad, first off? 
So a quarterback dad is the guy who is up at five in the morning and is asking his kid to start running some drills and he's making a smoothie with spinach in it. And he's checking uh, to see if his kid's Instagram follower count is any higher than it was yesterday. And he's probably going on a message board and he's saying, man, uh, anonymously. And he's saying, man, my offensive co- the offense coordinator, he doesn't, he doesn't know bleep. Uh, you know, my kid is, is much better. Those receivers are not really supporting him. And he's just overly enthusiastic. And now that's obviously a broad brush. A lot of them are great. A lot of them say, all right, I'm going to hand off my kid to a a quarterback tutor or a high school coach or whatever level you're at. And they say, I'm going to hand it off to an expert. But too many of them are overly involved. Um, And just one quick story, like early on in the reporting, I was just going to a seven on seven workout. And all of a sudden I look and there's a drone flying overhead. And I'm like, what's with the drone? And the dad says, oh, we got a camera attached to it because I'm I'm getting highlights together for an Instagram package. And that was just of a workout. So these guys are heavily involved in their kid. How do you come up with 15 different types? Yeah, so Donovan Dooley is the guy I worked with on this book. So here's John, here's how the, the book started. It was actually July 4th of 2020. And I get a text message from an old friend and he says, hey, my kid has this quarterback trainer named Donovan Dooley out of Detroit, and he's got all these stories of quarterback dads. One time, this guy uh, gave out note cards to the kids, and he said, hey, write something down about your parents, and it's going to be totally anonymous. And you should see what these kids wrote down, like, hey, dad, my arm is killing me. Uh, hey, mom, I had a chance to start until you came along. Now, some of the comments were also grateful, but a lot of them, too many of them, are hoping their mom or usually their dad is going to back off. So anyway, so this guy says to me in a text, he says, um, do you know anyone who wants to ghostwrite Donovan Dooley's book? I said, yeah, I know somebody. Me. It's football. <laughs> it's quarterbacks. It's youth sports. It's who's next. And I'd never written a book. And uh, the time was right. What's the worst type of dad to be out of the 15? Uh, the one that I think is kind of the funniest is the we dad, where he's saying like, yeah, man, we took a visit to Maryland this weekend. And now, uh, you know. We're, we're, we're looking to play in the SEC. Um, you know, we might have to move high schools to get it done, but it's like, it's not we. Then there's the reminiscer dad, you know, the guy who rushed for 147 yards in his high school career. But if he hadn't injured his knee or the coach hadn't totally screwed him, he would have been an All-American. Seems like everybody's a reminiscer type dad, wouldn't you say? Yeah, well, you know what, John? <laughs> the more accomplished the dad, the less they brag. So if I'm talking to Joel Klatt or Brady Quinn or Archie Manning, those guys are not bragging, man. They accomplished it. It's the dads who fell short for one reason or another, who are often the ones who you got to look out for. What's the key to being a quarterback dad or a good one? So it's a great question. And the answer to that is you can't say one size fits all. You can't say you should never coach your kid. Maybe you should coach your kid. But it depends on the kid. You know, when I talked to Pat Fitzgerald and I said, all right, who should be the one setting the alarm clock in the morning? Should it be you or should it be the kid at six in the morning? And it basically depends on the kid. So you want to have an individual relationship with your kid. That way, you know when you should kick him in the ass and when you should back off. Take Archie Manning. Archie Manning had Peyton Manning, Cooper, and Eli. So so Cooper was was the class clown. He was the funny one. 
Peyton was the one who was so intense that he's showing up for a little league game and he's bossing the other kids around. He's saying, you got to take extra infield practice and you got to take extra batting practice. And Archie is saying to him, would you shut up, man? Some kids just want to show up. Stop yelling at everybody. Like, go on a date. Like, go see a movie. So with Peyton, <laughs> it was reeling him back. Other kids, it's the opposite. With Eli, Eli wouldn't say a word. So with Eli, it was trying to draw it out of him. You know, I'm sure they were wondering, like, it, it, even if this kid has the physical tools to play quarterback, is he actually going to be able to lead anybody? He won't say a word. So you got to know your kid, and you got to know the situation. I mean, if you are Kurt Warner – and you know every single thing about throwing a football, you should probably coach your kid. If you are Teddy Greenstein and you did not play football and you're a soccer player, you should probably not be coaching your kid. So it really depends. How good of a quarterback dad would you be? Oh, that's a great one. Um, I'd like to think I'd be good. So my girls play soccer and they play travel soccer. They're pretty good. They play for the Fire Academy. And I would like to think that I'm the model soccer dad because. I don't say a ton on the sidelines, but if I do, it's supportive. It's, uh, you know, and not just for my kid. Like one of the cool things I found with being a soccer dad that this was refreshing was we all have a lower opinion of our own kid than everybody else. So I'm talking about my kid being lazy, but this parent is saying, oh, no, L looks great. And I'm saying, no, 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 your kid looks great. And that's the way it should be. Um, you know, I, I try not to holler at the refs. There may be been a time or two where I'm like, <laughs> Offsides, you know, just as sort of a gentle reminder. But there is one mom of a kid, you know, in our soccer group, and she'll, there'll be, a, you know, a free kick, and she'll start saying, guys, form a wall, form a wall. And I'm looking at her, it's like, you're not the coach. Stop, <laughs> stop coaching. Just be a parent. Where can uh, viewers uh, find this book, Teddy? How, how can they find it? Amazon has been a little spotty. I guess it's a good sign that people go on Amazon and it says that they're out of stock. <laughs> but really, John, the best place to is we have a website and we've put a lot of money and time into it, qbdads.com. And not only can you buy the book, but we've got gear. So we've got hats and quarter zips and T-shirts for youth and adults. Um, I mean, think about this as like a Father's Day present or a Mother's Day present because we have quarterback mom, quarterback dad, all that kind of stuff. So qbdads.com is the best place to get the book. What's the response been like to getting this out there and promoting it? Fun as hell, man. It's been great. Um, response from media partners has really been good. Like, you know, WGN and I've been on Dan Dockich a couple times already. Um, I'll be on with Peggy and Dion Miller over the weekend. I'm doing Paige's podcast on Monday, Paige Sporanic, who works with us at, at Points Bed. And then, of course, you were kind enough to have me on. So it's been one of the nice things. Like last night, I actually went to Paul Kennedy's house. He's the Northwestern Media Relations Director and dropped off some books. It's a great excuse to reconnect with people who maybe I haven't talked to in a bit. Teddy Greenstein here on Sports Talk Chicago. Teddy, let's talk some more football now, talking about the Bears. What's your take on their new regime? I mean, let's just see how it goes. I, I don't have any, any thought of like it's going to fail or it's going to succeed. Like you know, I, I used to be in that world of being a sports writer where you'd have to go to the opening press conference and try to then guess, you know, how it's going to go. I mean, there have been some memorable ones. I remember going to Charlie Weiss's at Notre Dame and he spoke for like 25 minutes before he took a question, which probably should have been an indication that he was totally full of himself. But I think with the Bears, I'm just incredibly curious about Justin Fields. I hope they get good players around him because I was having a debate the other night 
at a poker game and they were already crapping on Justin Fields. And I'm like, guys, come on. You're trying to tell me that if Justin Fields had good receivers around him and good coaching and an actual offensive line, he's not going to be a good player. I mean, he's going to be a great player. There's nothing he's lacking, but we're not, we might not ever find it out. Um, did we ever find out if Mitch Trubisky could really be a starter? Maybe, maybe not. Maybe we only find out then when he goes to a new team like the Bills. So hopefully the Bears will be better because I went to a bunch of games last year. I was entertaining points bet clients and it was just dreadfully boring. So we need a better football team. What did you see on a fields last year when you watched him play? I mean, just the incredible highs and the incredible lows. I mean, it made him impossible to bet. I mean, if you're trying to, you know, his over under <laughs> for most of these games is say 205 passing yards. It's like he could be at 280. He could be at 75. It was just very hard to figure out some games. He looked like he had no idea what the plan was or he wasn't in sync with the plan. And then other times you saw, you know, against the Packers, you saw like, wow, this guy's got so much ability and he's going to be the starter for 12 years. Remember last time we talked, I think it was November, and that was after a recent debacle for the Bears. We talked about Matt Nagy potentially getting fired. Um, when you saw the news, what was your reaction to that? Oh, I mean, absolutely knew it was going to happen. I mean, it, it was interesting how it played out, right? I mean, there was that report right before Thanksgiving that he was about to be fired. And then uh, that, that reporter retracted it. Who knows? Maybe he did know at the time he was gone. Doesn't matter, right? At this point, uh, I was actually sad that Matt Nagy didn't make it because I got to know him a little bit. He and his son went out to Augusta National for a day, you know, five or six years ago. And I walked around with them. And everybody who knows Nagy just loves the guy. I mean, he's an amazing guy. Like his response to Jeff Dickerson's passing was incredible too. So he's somebody you root for, but it's the NFL. It's not like you can fall back on good graduation rates in college. If you're not winning, you got to go somewhere else. Do you think he hindered Justin Fields at all last year? Without knowing, it's hard to say. I mean, I think what hindered Justin Fields is the fact that, like, the Bears think it's perfectly appropriate to have a left tackle who's 39 years old and wasn't even playing football at that point when they, when they tabbed him. So I think it's more about – and Allen Robinson was hurt last year. So it just didn't really have the weapons. It's hard for me to know really what the play calling is and what they're teaching him and what he's looking at. Are you confident in Luke Getze maybe revitalizing fields and making this offense a bit better for him? I mean, I really hope so, but I am not going to pretend to be a Bears expert. I mean, <laughs> look, like the Bears are now just one of 32 for me. Obviously, I live in Chicago and I hope they do well because I'm at the games, but I look at teams uh, more from a betting perspective and I'm looking for an edge there. So, um, I tell you, when you get in this betting world, man, your loyalties die. It's very much like, as I said, I'm loyal to my wallet. And uh, obviously, I want to see Northwestern do well. I went there, and, and I'm an old Jets fan from New York. I'd like to see the Jets do well. But there are games I bet against the Jets I want to see them lose. Who's uh, made you the most money this past year in the NFL season? Well, here's this is top of mind. I just made a small killing on Marcus Smart as, as the NBA's Defensive Player of the Year. Our head trader recommended him to a few of us at 16 to one odds, and he just won. So that was definitely a good one. And the Super Bowl, uh, Cooper Cup MVP. I hit Cooper Cup MVP at eight to one. He ended up going off at, I think, plus 450 or five to one. Um, I thought the Rams would win, and I thought there'd be a good chance that Stafford would not be named MVP of the Super Bowl, and that worked out. What do things look like moving forward for sports betting when it comes to the NFL? Like, how do things look for next year? So there'll be more and more emphasis on live betting. So 
you know, my generation was, oh my God, you got to get your bed in before kickoff. And now there's simply no rush to do that. I mean, sometimes you want to do that, obviously, because you're going to get what you feel is the best line, but you just turn on the game at any point and you can do points bet as lightning bets. So for basketball purposes, you can bet on like, will a three point field goal be made in the first minute of a game, or they'll take a four minute stretch of the game and put a total on that over under points in an NBA game for four minutes, 29 points or whatever it's going to be. And that's going to come to football. So eventually, I don't know if it'll be play to play because that's so specific. If there's enough time in between, there's an issue with latency, which means like the gap between, you know, what's actually happening at soldier field that what you're seeing on your TV screen. But right now you can already bet on like next drive result. Like, will that be, uh, you know, field goal attempt or a punt or a turnover or turnover on downs. Um, so it'll be more and more of this micro betting where you can just jump in at any time and, and get into the, you know, betting realm. What are points bets plans moving forward, especially in the summer and then the NFL season coming up too? Yeah, I think it's, it's really so much of it is live betting and also like live in-game parlays. So typically you, if you wanted to construct the same game parlay on say a Bears Falcons game, you had to get that in before. Now, let's say you got time in between the first and second quarter. You can parlay, okay, I like the Bears money line with the over, with Justin Fields passing yards over and Allen Robinson receiving yards over, you know, something like that. So you can actually construct a parlay during the game. That's a big emphasis for us. Sounds like things are becoming a bit more user-friendly based on what you're saying here. And that seems to be a big shift throughout sports betting. What's kind of prompted that? Yeah, I mean, look, I've tried to explain what plus 180 and plus, you know, what minus 60 is to my parents a hundred different times and they (laughs) simply don't get it. And they're smart people, but like, I think some of it is a generational deal. And I think if you polled most sports fans under the age of 30, they know that minus 160 means you're wagering $160 to turn a profit of a hundred for a payout of 260. But we're trying to simplify that. Like the easiest way to bet, of course, is the spread. Everybody understands if some teams favored by three and a half points, what that means. Money lines can be a little more complicated. We have points betting. They can be a little more complicated where it's based on a multiplier. Props are really popular now. And I think props are a sneaky way to make a ton of money because like if, you know, football game's starting and you just don't have a good feel for who's going to win, you look at those quarterback yards and maybe you can make, you know, an educated guess on the over, under, receiving yards, rushing yards, TDs. It's a fun way to watch game. What's the best prop bet you've made recently? Oh, so better than Marcus Smart and better than Cooper Cup. Um, God, I got to think of one. I wish I had a really good one for you. Oh, I know what it was. So what was the Patriots game with the terrific weather? It was either a Sunday or a Monday night where it was incredible snow and incredible wind. It was like 40 to 50 miles an hour. And the over-under for passing yards on Mac Jones, like it started at like, 175 and they it adjusted maybe to like 160 and i think that's the game he attempted like three passes right so that would have been the one the dream game where literally if you have the under on his passing yards and he's handing the ball off on every play you're like this is why i bet for the easy ones like this for the come with teddy greenstein in just a moment stay tuned this is sports talk chicago Teddy Greenstein still here on Sports Talk Chicago. Teddy, a few more questions before we finish up. First off, how much for the Xbox you're selling? 
Oh man, was that rough? John, I'm such an idiot. Like I get it. I was about to play paddle tennis. So it's kind of in a rush and I see something. It's like, there's been an attempt to log into your Twitter. Um, and it was just like, uh, paste this code to confirm that, you know, that you haven't tried to log in. So I thought about it for a second. I'm like, well, as long as I paste the code, I'm fine. I'm not giving anybody my Twitter password. I think that it, it looked, it was well-written. It looked like legitimate. Next thing I know, I'm getting uh, texts from people about, hey, man, how much is the Xbox? And I'm like, this is a bad sign. So I got hacked um, and I felt terrible about it because there were honestly several people, even friends of mine, who sent hundreds of dollars for uh, an Xbox to supposedly help. Wow. Yeah, help a girl. He had a whole story, help a girl with, you know, who is afflicted with cancer. And none of it was true. I, I mean, I was joking that like, at least the hacker did me a solid and made me look like a good guy as opposed to all the stuff that he could have, could have tweeted out. <laughs> so that part was good. I finally took over my account four or five days later, made a contribution to St. Jude's. So something good would come of it. But everybody out there, man, everybody's getting hacked these days. Just don't give up any information. I finally went to the two-factor uh, off the... What is that word? The authenticate? Authentication, yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> do a two-factor authentication um, because yeah it sucks getting hacked you feel terrible and then you want to tell your friends to reply in the tweets and warn people but the guys already figured it out where you know none of the people you follow can reply in anything oh my goodness that sounds horrible how stressful was the whole thing in general from getting hacked and then getting the account back in a couple of days it's just frustrating i mean because at that point you know i'm i'm it's not like you can call Twitter. Hi, Mr. Twitter. Uh, can you, put, you know, so you're emailing and then you get like, you know, where you're not trustworthy. Like, who am I emailing? And now I'm going to have to change my password. And are they going to see this password? And all of a sudden you're like, shoot, like what is all going on here? But it wasn't, it wasn't that bad. There's a lot of tough things going on in the world. Uh, it was just, it was just more of a nuisance. And I just felt terrible for the, I think it was five or six people who sent money and lost it. Daddy, before we finish up today, last question. Your top recent round of golf was what? Uh, I've not played a lot lately. I was in Cabo last week and played some crappy golf. Um, couldn't putt to save my life. Um, but there was one good occasion last year, John. So we have an event called the Writers' Cup. It's you know like the Writer Cup, but it's the Wisconsin golf media versus the Illinois golf media. And I was lucky enough to play with Eric Ciotti, who's a former professional golfer and a roommate of Luke Donald's at Northwestern. And we were able to win our matches. And I know nobody cares about the nitty gritty, but this one bears repeating. So one of the Wisconsin guys has a 20 foot putt on number nine. He just has to two putt from 20 feet and he blew it like 15 feet past. I think he was a little nervous. So we were able to grind out that victory. And that was pretty fun. Daddy, thank you so much for joining me. Always a pleasure. Best wishes with the book. Hopefully it does well. And really looking forward to the next time we chat too. You ask spectacular questions. You actually remind me of Dan Patrick because you ask great questions, short questions. You have the knack. You have the gift. Anytime you want me on, I'll be back. Great talk there with Teddy Greenstein. That'll do it for us today here on Sports Talk Chicago. Big thank you to Teddy Greenstein himself, Matt Dubiel, WCKG, Jim DeTalbin, to Marlboro Entertainment for making this show a success. Remember, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at John Z Sports and on Facebook at John Zagluel. You can watch more of this show. Search up Sports Talk Chicago, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. 
sportstalkchicago.com. Another great show comes to you tomorrow. Thank you so much for listening. Till then, stay safe. So long, everyone. No! No! Where are the turtles?